All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves with John Scott and Tim Wurzberger. Tim, what's going on, my man? Happy July, John. We started a new month this morning. Do you know what today is? What's today? Canada Day. Happy Canada Day. July 1st. Is, Unbelievable. Is that Independence Day in Canada? Do you know the last time the USA and Canada fought in a war, who won that war? Fought when they fought each other? Yeah. They've never fought each other. The War of 1812, Canada absolutely destroyed USA. And it Canada was wasn't a country. In not, and that, that makes it even more embarrassing. You lost to a non-country. Bunch of ragtag group of guys just with hockey sticks. And they it drove was off. the British Empire against us. and They yeah, came all the way on. to the White House and burnt that bad boy to the ground. Then they walked back, cracked a couple Molson Canadians. How are you doing? They didn't even want to keep the White House. They're like, this place is a dump. I'm going back to Canada. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. I actually just, just read a book fun. in the War of 1812 last year. It was great. I'm sure you did. But anyways, yes, it's Canada Day for our listeners in Canada. Have a couple beers for me. I wish I was joining you guys, but I'm in Michigan. Still on vacation. It's beautiful. I'm loving life, and I'm still working hard. Still, Real Life hard. is a vacation. You don't do anything. That's not true. That's not true. I changed a lot of diapers, Tim. <laughs> but I did get to watch game two, Tim. And I will say this. Montreal came to play, and they played well. And it was a well-played game by them. It was a good game plan. They were a little more conservative. They tried to line match a little bit more than they had the previous game where they just rolled four lines and they went for it. And they were the better, better team. If you, if you look at this as a 60-minute game, a Montreal well outplayed the Tampa Bay Lightning. Don't you think? I don't know about well outplayed. But, yeah, they, they played a much stronger game than game one, and I think they were probably the better team. But I don't think it was like a crazy advantage or anything. Oh, I think if they they deserve a better fate. I, I think they, based on their first game, how poorly they played and how much Tampa Bay just outplayed them from top to bottom, boy, Montreal played well. Like they, they were limiting their chances. They were keeping Tampa Bay to the outside. Kucherov didn't really, he wasn't that dangerous. It was a really, really good played game by Montreal. And they just could not catch a break when they needed it. It just seemed like anytime you thought they were going to break through, they got a breakaway. Anytime you thought they were going to put one pat, past Vasilevsky, I think they had 20 shots or something silly like that in the second period. They just couldn't do it. 
They could, for whatever reason, not find that goal that they needed. Tampa Bay went up early, one nothing. Montreal answered right back. And then they just dominated that whole second period. And then what everyone's going to be talking about for this whole playoff series, this will be the goal that they show at the parade. This will be the goal that they show 10 years from now at the reunion. This will be the goal they show for the highlights next year for the playoffs. We love hockey. Hockey ice is in our veins. It's the Coleman goal. He's diving Barkley Gaudreau, a beautiful pass across. And he's like, it was honestly one of the best goals I've ever seen in my whole life. It was incredible. It's honestly incredible. I'm not overselling it. It was an unbelievable goal. But I, I was about ready to walk away to grab a, a glass of wine or something. And I was like, this period's over. Montreal dominated. They should have came out with a 2-3-1 lead, but they're going to be fired up going into the third period. And I, I turn around, I'm like, wait a minute. It's 2-1 to one Tampa Bay. Like, how, how deflating and demoralizing is it? It's just, well, what did you think of the goal? Am I, am I overselling it or is it just, it was an unbelievable goal? Unbelievable goal. Not like the, the effort, the timing, like it just carried so much weight. And like you said, like Montreal is absolutely thrilled to be going in, in you know, a one-to-one game to the third period. They're, they're ready to try to ride out the clock. Bad turnover by Sherrod. I mean, it was a great play by Gaudreau, but yeah, Sherrod's got to get that puck out. And obviously it's just a total dagger to those guys. Like you could see it, it, Montreal was just like, I mean, it's only one goal. It's just still a close game, but they were just totally just like the, the wind sucked out of their tires or whatever the term is. Like it was just a the bad wind thing. sucked out of their tires. <laughs> what is what is the what's the right saying? The sails, Tim. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt. When have you sucked wind out of a tire? <laughs> Who are you? you? Sucked wind out of a sail. Never. The wind comes out of a sail all the time. I've, I've never done it personally, but I don't think it's that <laughs> far fetched to have wind you know anyways but yes i totally agree there there are very few plays that ever happen in a hockey game that you could point to it's like that was a momentum changer that changes the game that changes the whole just concept of the whole series and that changed the whole series and i'm not even you know saying that lightly going into the second period if you feel like you're 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 tied one one you got them on their heels you're Montreal Canadiens. This is the best game you've played in quite a while. And you're excited. You're, you're amped up. You're ready to go up for the third period. And all of a sudden, Tampa Bay gets a goal. You give them immediate life. It sucks every bit of energy you have from that second period. All the momentum, all the good feelings you're going to have going into the, the intermission. And then you go and sit down in the locker room. And it's just like, what? Like, what? How is this happening? Like, we completely outplayed them the whole period. And now we're down one going to the third period versus the Stanley cup champions who have a a goalie who's been stonewalling us all period. And what are we going to do? And you completely second guess yourself. And it's like, well, we can't win. We can't like, what are we going to do? Like we're, we're playing our best hockey, our best hockey that we can play. And they're beating us two to one based off of a Superman goal by Coleman and you honestly, it's so deflating as a player. And I've been there where you just dominate a team and they get one or two lucky goals or they get a power play. And you're just like, what are we going to do? Like, it seems like everything's stacked against us. And I, if I'm on the Montreal Canadiens, I'm happy to be going home. They've obviously been in this situation before going back to Montreal. They need a win. They need some home cooking, but man, they let this one slip through the cracks. They, they had it. It was in their grasps. When I saw that goal too, like my analytical mind can go back and say, okay, it's just one goal. It's just one game. But 
my reaction was that that's the series because like you said that's the exact type of goal that it takes like that's going to be a high right film that's going to be like the goal that's on the dvds that people go back and watch you know what i mean like it's just it's that type of goal that teams that win championships score and speaking of that too like i was thinking about this i think uh maybe our friend eric angles tweeted something out but he's basically like teams that win championships not just skill you get puck lock where you know like you just that's just what it takes like you get the bounces you get the rebounds right in your stick you get those lucky posts that go you know off off and out and saved by the net and all that stuff. And and it just seems like every puck is bouncing Tampa's way. And, and Montreal just can't catch a break when it comes to that. Well, and it's funny, that goal goes in. And earlier in the period, after they had tied it up one-to-one, another play that really caught my eye was Nick Suzuki. And he had a partial breakaway coming in from that, kind of the dot. And he, he was trying to cut across. It was a breakaway. But he had a guy on his hip. Vasilevsky made one of the sneakiest, slyest, just coolest little poke checks that you'll ever see from a goalie in such a high, just pressure situation. So Suzuki's trying to pull it from forehand to backhand and just tuck it in the far side. And Vasilevsky sees this and he just pokes. Like it was the perfectly timed poke check, pokes the puck off Suzuki's stick. It was, it was a great a chance just completely thwarted because of this I don't know. I thought that was one of the, the slyest plays that a goalie can make because you don't know what he's going to do. If you go for the poke check and he goes shelf, like you're, you're, you're done. If he shoots it, you're absolutely done. And I don't know if that play will get that much face time, but those two plays to me, it just encapsulated the whole series. When you're under pressure so far to this, to this day, mind you, it's only two games. I'm not going to write off Montreal yet because they did play well. I think they deserve to win, but in the two games, Tampa Bay is cool under pressure. Like, they, they're not – they're unflappable. They've been here before. They were here last year. They know how to win a championship. It's pretty much the whole team they're, they're throwing out there again this year, a couple players, you know, give or take. But, boy, oh, boy, are they cool under, under pressure. Those guys, it doesn't matter the situation. They just go out there and they just produce. And Montreal, they, they haven't been here before. And maybe – and I'm not – maybe Suzuki makes that play if he's, you know – has a couple of years under his belt and he's been to the playoffs before a few times. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm kind of, maybe that doesn't make sense, but it just seems like Tampa Bay is able to make those plays. Even a Barclay Goodrow play. Like that's a heck of a play. And I know Goody, he's a good player. He's not a super skilled player. He's a meat and potatoes. Let's go to work. And he's got some decent hands. That's a pretty, pretty sweet play that he just made when there's 10 seconds left in the second period. And you're able to make that play to have the wherewithal to not panic and just throw it on the net because you hear the clock ticking down and the fans are shoot it. And you're like, I'm going to pass it across to a guy who may or may not be there. So it's just, I don't know. Tampa's good, Tim. They're really good. And Coleman made that play right under Shea Weber too. Like Shea Weber was there and I thought he, he had the stick there, but he just, Coleman just extended just enough to get under him and get that puck past him. The other thing too, you mentioned Vasilevsky and how cool, calm and collected he is. Like, I don't know how many times during this game where he'd, he'd get a shot in the glove and there's traffic all over and he would just quickly drop it and pass it out to his guy, like through traffic in the ozone and just pucks going the other way. There's no face-off call because he's just so quick and confident with it. I don't remember seeing goalie just handle the puck that well where it's not that he handles it so much better than everyone else, but he's, he has so much confidence in himself and in his team that he, he wants to pluck back out in the play. He doesn't want that face-off there. He just right back down the other end. Yeah, I didn't see the face-off wins-losses. I wonder if their coach told them to do that because their centermen aren't 
winning that many faceoff draws. I don't know if you can pull that up, but yeah, it takes a confident goalie to be able to make a save because we saw Patrick Waugh do that about 20 years ago. He was showboat. Remember when he lifted his glove and he didn't have the puck and then the Red Wings scored to, it was in the Stanley Cup finals, but it takes a confident goalie to be able to make a save and be looking another play ahead to be able to drop the puck and be like, all right, I'm starting to break out fellas. Get going. I got you. Like we, we can have a couple guys caught and we're going to be on our way. But uh, I don't know. I'm not writing off Montreal yet. Are you? I, I feel like this series is getting closer. I liked Montreal's game. I liked the way they approached it. it. It wasn't as a physical a game as game one. I think everyone calmed down and really got into their comfort zone. And it was a good game. Caulfield played a little bit better. He wasn't overwhelmed in game one like he was. I, I feel like Armia made a difference with Perry and Stahl. They played fairly well. Maybe Alex Kaloran being out for Tampa Bay, that was kind of a surprise. That helped Montreal a little bit. But it, if the game that they played last night, they can repeat for game three and four, it would not surprise me if this goes back to Tampa Bay 2-2 series. Well, they say, they say a series doesn't start till a team loses at home, right? Is that what they say? I've heard that before. Where do you get these sayings from? I've never heard that before. Maybe Jack Edwards made it up. But yeah, think about it, right? The series just like you're supposed to win the games at home, right? The series doesn't really start till someone loses. I guess so, Tim. I get, you know what? I'll give it to you. That makes that makes perfect sense. And I hope Jack Edwards did not come up with it because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't. But do you well, in all honesty, just from watching two games, do you think it's over? Or do you think Montreal has a legitimate chance? No. I, I don't think it's over to answer your question. Yeah, Montreal showed me a lot last night that I think they they have an answer for this. You know what I mean? Like they can play. The, the part that's frustrating to them is like they played just maybe not as well as they can, but they they matched Tampa as well as they probably could, and they still lost by a couple goals. And it's 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 a three to one final score. But you think about it, it was like a really like outstanding play over, off a turnover with 0.3 seconds left for the second goal. And the third one we haven't talked about this yet was just that bonehead turnover behind the net between Edmondson and Petrie that just that Pilat just fired in the open net and obviously you could see the frustration on Price's face but like those are plays those are solvable problems those are plays that you shouldn't be making but it's not like Tampa really beat you I mean I guess on the second one but not not Pilat's goal they didn't beat you on that you beat yourself there yeah it just I don't know like but if I'm putting 43 pucks on net and I'm Montreal and I'm getting one power play goal out of it I'm a little nervous because yeah. like, you played your best. I don't see Montreal playing any better than that. That's, that's just my only concern. I hope they can. I hope they can repeat what they did. But, man, Vasilevsky's good. He is such a good goalie. Like, this this further slid, like, I thought Carey Price was a different level. And maybe Vasilevsky was riding Tampa Bay, how good they were. He played incredible last night. He honestly did. He played incredible. He was the MVP of that game. And if he if they win this series, it's going to be a toss-up if it's him or Kucherov for the con smite. I if you close. well, but now Montreal's only scored two goals in two games, and one of they're both kind of fluky. Like the first one was that 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 ping pong ball of two deflections. The second one was Suzuki's backhand from the blue line that just had a seeing eye. You know what I mean? Yeah. They haven't breathed Vasilevsky cleanly yet. So if you to say that they can't play better than last night and they can't, I mean, they haven't really scored a real goal quote unquote yet. So I, I think they can play better. And I think hopefully, I don't know it, I, tonight or tomorrow night has to be a must win game for them. Right. Like they have, they can't go down three, nothing. And, and I think hopefully now they don't, they won't have a full stadium, but hopefully being at home will give them the energy and the juice and they can at least get that. But if they split in Montreal and go back, I don't know. I, I, no, they need, they need to win them in the next two. There's no yeah. way they can go home and only win one and have a chance in this series. You're not 
going to beat Tampa Bay three games in a row. It's not going to happen. You have to win the next two. Tampa wins at home. You win, and it's going to be game seven. I don't see them winning three in a row versus Tampa Bay. Yes, against Toronto, because Toronto is the epitome of a choke job. That's what they do. They, they love choking. It's just typical Toronto. You're not going to do it versus Tampa Bay. These guys know how to win championships. They have guys who have been there before. It's just a different team. Yes, the talent is the same, but it's a different kind of talent. And it must kick you know, Toronto to be able to see other teams' stars. Why do I always go back to Toronto? I don't understand why I always – it just – well, even, I'll just do a blanket statement. All these other teams who have these, all these other high-priced skill players – and you see Tampa's skilled players just – they can do it when it matters. They really can. And it, it, I don't know. It is what it is. I'm not going to go down that road. But I, I do think Montreal needs to win the next two games in order to have a chance at the Stanley Cup. And it's, it's, a tall, it's a tall task because Tampa's good, man. And they know how to – it wouldn't surprise me if they won four straight and it was just a sweep and series over and then we can go back to doing fun podcast stuff instead of trying to – you know, grasp at straws to why Montreal might win. But I honestly do think they might win. Like, it was a very, very, very close game last game, and they should have won. And even all of Tampa Bay's goals, none of Tampa's goals were that great last night. It's not like they, you know, they were tic-tac-toe, they had great plays, and they had great, you know, chemistry. The first goal was a soft goal by Sorelli from the blue line that had a seeing eye, much like Suzuki's. The second goal was a one in a million shot, and the third goal was a turnover behind the net. So it's not like Tampa was putting the pressure on Montreal and really driving the play. Montreal was doing all that. They just couldn't get the puck past Vasilevsky. So it was, a, it was a drastically different game. Hopefully Montreal can get on the board early. If they can get the lead, that's key for them. Get the confidence going. Get them some mojo. Get those young guys going up and down the ice. And they're not worried about going down two goals. That's the key for them. Getting on the board. Remember, there was a point in this playoffs where they had led for like seven straight games or something silly like that. They need to get back to that. They need to get the first goal. They need to get the good mojo feeling and then they'll be fine but it, it's a tough order do you i don't know what before else we Dan? before we move on from this game uh talking about blake coleman last night there was a lot of talk including from like you know these verified legit uh nhl analysts saying that blake coleman is a first line player on many teams in this league do you agree or disagree with that who said that i have to go back and find out in my uh yeah, but it was like one of these guys. I don't know if it was Eric Engels, but some guys like that were, were talking about it. Well, he's and a good right player. He's very similar to like a Zach Hyman or like yeah. a, a guy who can get up and down the ice. He gets in on the forecheck. He's got decent hands. So in that regard, yeah, I could see him on the first line where he, you know, slot him in on the left wing where he just goes in, blows up the defenseman and just kind of gets to the front of the net and does the dirty work that the skill guys don't want to do. But to put him on the same level as a skill guy, it, it, no. I think you're reaching to say he's a first line guy. He's, like he would have scored 30 uh, 20 goals this year in a full season. He had 14 and 50 whatever game, 51. Oh, that's a first line guy, 20 goals. Well, now that's, that's 20 goals in each of the last 3 years though. Like that's a consistent. Oh, he's a first line guy, yeah. In some teams it is. Years. How, how many 20 goal scorers did Buffalo have this year? Zero, but they don't have any first line guy. They got one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you put him on a Reinhardt. I'll give him Reinhardt. They yeah, you can't say if Listen, you can take a lot of Tampa's players and put them on Buffalo and they're first-line players. Pretty much their yeah. whole team, if you put them on Buffalo, it's <laughs> yeah. a first-line guy. That's the truth. That, like, literally, if you put Johnson on Buffalo, he's on the first line. You put Maroon. Killorn, yeah. Killorn, Pilat, all these guys, like they're going to be on the first line if they go to Buffalo. So, But you can't see you, you take them and you throw them on a good team and you're in the first line. Me, yeah. 
Coleman will be on the first line, I think, on five to ten NHL teams right now, just because teams don't have a lot of talent. You know, you put him on the West Coast, he's going to be the first line on every team. You know who just picked up some talent today? I did. I the saw Los Angeles Kings, and they. It, it, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> Me? You go. All right. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, I'll go. Uh, yeah, they they picked up Victor Arvidsson from Nashville for a second and third round pick which I think is a great pickup for them. They kind of bought low on this guy. I like him a lot. He's been a little bit down the last couple of years, but our friend Jason Greger had a great tweet pointing out that in 2017, 18, and 19, he had 31, 29, and 34 goals. And then he dipped to 15 and 10 the last year, couple of years. But again, those are shortened seasons, and his, he was shooting the puck last. So in the right situation, the right offense, I think he could be back to being a 20-plus goal scorer for the LA Kings who are on the way back up. So I think in the right situation, he's going to be a good pickup for Los Angeles. He's on the way back up. So great trade by them, in my opinion. Yeah, well, with your analytics, uh, the way you look at goals, if he if he scores 20 goals for three consecutive seasons, he's a first-line player. So based on, you know, what, uh, no. what your rankings is, Tim. I'm talking about 30 goals in those years, though. So he's a 1-1-A. No, I like the pickup. I, I think LA, they need some, obviously, some skill in their lineup. What's that? Danielle, I'm doing a podcast. Relax. But um, sorry, my wife just came in and asked me to ask her cousin, Andrew. He's a big hockey fan. A question. She's trying to get him some airtime. But anyways, uh, everybody, I like this. This, this is what it's going to do. They're getting Arvidsson and I, they're setting the table for Eichel. This is what's going to happen. They're getting this trade. They're going to entice Eichel a little more. He's going to want to go to L.A., and they're going to, they're, I don't, I don't want to say they're going to force Buffalo to trade Eichel, but he's going to LA. That's my prediction. I, I think it's just the dominoes are getting set up. Everything's kind of funneling towards Eichel to LA. It's going to happen around the draft and it's LA is going to be good. Quick's going to have a resurgence Drew Dowdy's Dowdy is still a good player. He played really, really good last year. And I think LA sees the opportunity with how bad that Western division is. They're going to go back to the normal format next year. They're going to be with Vegas. They're going to be with Dallas. It's going to be three Western um, Californian teams and it's a bad conference. So if they can get some good players and make it, make a jump in the standings, they will be a good team next year. I like this move. Arvidsson's a good player and a second or third rounder. How often do those picks pan out? Make one every five years, you get a decent NHL player out of it. So you're getting Victor Arvidsson. He's a good player. Like you said, I think they're buying low. I don't know what his term looks like on his contract. I don't know how long he's signed for. LA's got some do me to play with. It's a good move. And then they're going to pick up Jack Eichel. They're going to have Kopitar. They're going to have Dustin Brown. They're going to be a good team. They're going to be a really good team. They have a young guy who played a little bit at the end of the year sparingly. There's a two, number two overall pick last year. I can't remember his name. It's escaping me. What's it? Quinton Byfield. Byfield. Thank you, Andrew McCabe. Coming in hot from the sidelines. I love it. But, um, yeah, they're going to have a good team. And Victor Arvidsson is going to slide right in on the second line. It's going to be nice. Yeah, I like this pickup for them. And it's funny you mentioned Eichel, too, because Bob McKenzie talked about earlier this week that the the interest of the Anaheim Ducks is not as strong as, as was earlier reported. So right now, we could be going anywhere, and L.A. certainly would be near the top of that list. I would love – I'm, I'm not going to stop saying it until it happens. I would love to see him in L.A. or with the New York Rangers. He's just got that personality. He would be great for hockey. He could sell the game. It would be so awesome to see him in a situation where you can just – there's not many guys who have a personality who can be like, this guy's good for hockey. And I th- feel like he has that personality. You know, he's just a laid back guy. He can sell the game. I think the fans would gravitate towards him. Yeah, it works in Buffalo. They love him in Buffalo. How many national televised games does Buffalo get a year? Zero? Uh, too many. Not many. 
Now, now, yes, too many. No, <laughs> I'm sorry, Buffalo, but it's true. But anyways, I also, you know, I'm going to drop his name again. Aaron McCabe, he's in on the, the insider information. He mentioned right. yesterday that the Chicago Blackhawks are shopping Duncan Keith. Did you hear about this, Tim? I did hear about it. It was all over Twitter. This is, this is huge. It's, do, does this surprise you at all? Uh, it does a little bit. It does a little bit. Only, I don't know. The Blackhawks, they're such a confusing team because, like, the star power is still there. Kane's still one of the top whatever players in the league. Like, he's still playing at an elite level. They're getting Taze back, which he just announced the other day. Who knows what he's going to look like, but hopefully he's healthy and he's producing. So, I don't know. It probably means that uh, Boquist is their guy now. They have a lot of trust in him. Seabrook's obviously gone. It's surprising a little bit that they would trade Keith, but – Especially the, the the money that he makes. He makes over $5 million still. So they're going to have to eat some of that salary cap. But I don't know. Were you surprised by it? Um, Yeah, a little bit. Because he is productive and he's Mr. Chicago. You know, he's – when you talk about the identity line or people who just – you know, when you think of that player, you think of that team. He he is Chicago. I, even more so than Patrick Kane. Even no, more so than – come on. Yeah. In in Chicago, in that locker room – it's Duncan Keith. Like he, he is the guy, especially with Johnny Taves taking this year off. It was Duncan Keith steering that ship because he, until you're around him, you don't know his work ethic. You don't know the type of person he is. Like he is an animal when, when he's in the locker room. And so I feel like Chicago getting away from him, it's big for Chicago, but it's also smart. His best hockey's behind him. He's got a few years left on his contract. And for Chicago to put it out there, like a little carrot, like we're doing Duncan a favor we're going to trade him to a t- team on the Pacific North- Northwest to get him closer to home. We're going to do him a favor. That's smart because they don't want Duncan Keith on the team anymore. He's making a ton of money. They want his contract off the books. And if they can kind of, you know, play it off, like he's still a really good player. We want to keep him, but we're doing him a favor and we want to get rid of him. I think it's smart by Stan Bowman to kind of word it this way, because if they can get out from his contract, that's good. If they can put Seabrook on long-term injury reserve, get out from that contract that that frees up a lot of money for Chicago. And like we saw last year and the year before in the bubble, they got some good young players. They, they could potentially be competitive. They just need some pieces to maybe guide these young guys, the Kirby docs, the Debrinkets, the Kublik's, these type of players who just maybe need a little more seasoning, you know, sprinkle in a veteran player. Who's like an Arvidsson would have been nice to a guy who can compliment Patrick Kane, a guy who can, you know, play alongside DeBrinket, a guy who can maybe shield Kirby Doc so he's not the one A centerman, you know, let him be two or three and just let him develop and not be the pressure that, you know, he was under a lot of pressure when he came back last year. And I, and I think that kind of weighed on him a little bit. But I like this move. Hopefully, Dunks can go to Vancouver. He's a Vancouver guy. I think he's from Kamloops. Let him go play in Vancouver. It'll be great. They can, you know, take half his salary and away we go. But, uh, you have to consider, too, that <clears throat> Chicago's been in, mentioned with those top defensemen on the market, like Dougie Hamilton, Seth Jones being the premier, too, a couple others, too. Kirby Doc's name has been rumored to be out there, floating out there, if they can land one of these top defensemen, which I think would be a mistake. Like, you, like I know you're a huge Doc guy. Like, he's, you, you think he's kind of a generational player when you consider the size and skill combination, right? Yeah, it, it would be a mistake to give up on him too soon, unless they know something that we don't know. That we don't know. And, you know, his ankle isn't what it was before the injury and the surgery and this and that. So who knows what to if, yeah, you're right. Tim, it's not all about you. You know what I mean? You well, millennials. As a, as a broken leg survivor, I can just, I can, Doc and I have a lot in common, you know? 
Yeah. You guys have brown hair and you broke your leg. And that's where it stops. And we're hockey players. We're hockey players. Player is a stretch. I wish but people could see your, your eye roll. It's incredible. I think I hurt my eyes. But going back to Kirby, and, and I've said it before, there's not very often that you can get a guy who's 6'4", 200-some pounds, and skates as well as he does, and has hands as soft as he does, and you're just going to give up on him after a year? I, I don't if, – if I didn't hear about this, but if this happens, Stan Bowman needs to be fired. You, you, uh, you can't do this. You, you can't. You can't give up on him. And you're – I don't know. It's not like they're scoring 10 goals a game in Chicago and you have the luxury of just, you know, we can get, get rid of a, a skilled first-line centerman who's going to be the bedrock of our team for a decade. Yeah, that's fine. Let's go get a defenseman. Let's go get a Dougie Hamilton who's already got 10 years under his belt and been through the ringer, and he's got red hair. Like, oh, that's great. No offense, Dougie. No one likes people with red hair, though. I said it. Sorry, Commodore. Whatever. My brother's kid's got red hair, too. Sorry, Curtis. <laughs> so last thing uh, big piece of news this week is that Edmonton re-signed Ryan Nugent Hopkins eight years just over five million dollars what do you think of it I mean it's a pretty significant term but the cap hits nice what do you think of the, of the move I don't like it I don't love it I don't know like it do you it just I don't they're not going to win I don't know they're not going to do it with with uh, the Nuge like, I don't I have no words. I'm, I'm trying to come up with something to be positive about it. It's good for him. $41 million is a lot of money. But do you think it makes him a better team? Do you think they could have went out and got a better player for that money? You know what I mean? Because it's a long-term investment for this guy. Yes, they drafted him. Yes, they've invested a lot in him. Yes, he's had some good seasons. But he's also had some mediocre seasons. Do you think they could have gone out and used that money to get a player that is better than him or just as good as him? or used it a different way because it's a lot of money to be tied up in him. When you've already played him with Connor McDavid <clears throat> playing him with Leon Dreinsidel and he's not, they're not doing well. Like they're not winning in the playoffs. Like I think you've seen what they do. Uh, I just don't get it. I, maybe they didn't want to let him walk in free agency and get nothing for him. I get that, but man, that's a lot of money for uh, the Nuge. I think you, the word different is, is a great way to talk about it. Like, I don't know if they would have found a better player for $5 million because he's a good player. He's got some offensive upside, but a better, a player that more, you know, more closely fit their needs in their situation. Like, I, I just don't see what problems he solves. They can score goals. You know what I mean? Especially because he doesn't even score a ton of five on five goals anyway. He's a power play guy. And with McDavid and Drysettle, you're not going to have many issues scoring on the power play. I don't think you can find other players that can produce there. So I think they could have found maybe, those second, third type of guys that can play a little bit more physical, that have a little more sandpaper to their game or focus on the defense like we talked about. Go, time, go get one of those big guys on the market. But I don't hate the move. I, I You know, the, the term, he's obviously going to finish his career in Edmonton now unless he gets moved. And the salary cap, is it, it, that's a hit I can swallow. It's not, not like they're paying him six, seven, eight million dollars, which they would have had to on a shorter deal. So I don't hate the move, but I'm not excited about it. I don't know it gets him any closer to a cup. Yeah, it's the old saying, uh, one in the hand is worth two in the bush. Like, you know what you're going to get. You got Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's a good player. Like you said, he drives the power play. He can play with those guys, you know. So you go out and you, you pay someone else $5 million. You don't know what you're getting. So I don't know. That's not their problem. Their problem isn't the Nuge. It's, it's the third, the fourth line. It's the goaltender. That's the issues. Yes, this shores up their first and second line a little bit more. It gives them that talent that they, for, they need. 
and everybody needs talent. Like he would have gotten more on the open market, I would imagine, but good for him. He's got the term. He's eight years. He'll, he'll end his career in Edmonton. 18 years. You, he'll end up playing there. Isn't that crazy? 18 Long years. Time. Long and he's time. only going to be 36. So he could potentially play longer. He could be the longest tenured Edmonton Oiler ever. If he plays 20 some years, I don't know who the longest tenured guy is there, but it can't be much more than 15, 20 years. I can't imagine. What a Charlie right. Huddy. Who knows? That is a, a good question for our listeners. I know there's a lot of Oilers, Oilers nations, but I know who the longest tenure Edmonton Oilers is. That'd be interesting to know. Like who, who played like Craig McTavish? Like he, he bounced around a little bit. I don't know. That's, that's an interesting question. Tim, get on it. But anyway, any other news, Tim, we should touch on? Nope. That's all I got. Who do you got for game three? Prediction. Mo- Montreal. Score? Uh, four to two with an empty netter. Forty-two empty I like it. I think once you're all two-one, make it a series. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week, and we will be able to see if Montreal can make a comeback, or we could potentially have a Stanley Cup champion to talk about. We'll see. All right, everybody. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 